So, welcome back to another episode of the On The Train Podcast. We got a pretty good one today. Uh, we're going to be looking at creativity uh, throughout the industries. Uh, so, let's not waste any time. You know, let's get let's get right into it. I was, I've been looking forward to talking about this one. Um, creativity is you know, a major part of any of these uh, mediums. You know, it's all art. Uh, whether it be movies, video games, anime, whatever. And you can't, like... What makes the separates a good product from a really bad product is the creativity. At least for me, I feel like that is a huge part in determining if I like something or not. Well, how do you feel about it? I definitely think so too. Um, for me, creativity is when the artist is just challenging themselves purely for the art. You know, challenging the universe through them to make mm-hmm. some good art. Um, and you know the stuff that's not is like just the commercial junk you see you know that studios are putting out nowadays and that is rightfully so failing for the most part a lot of these um, just cash grabs are just tanking at the box office and you got stuff like Barbie Oppenheimer that are really creative movies that are doing really well and that we saw yesterday we did like a double feature for that so I'm excited to talk about those and creativity in general Nice. So, I guess we can start uh, with the conversation. We can start with the risk of creativity, like taking risk. Um, when it comes to being creative with your art, do you think you have to take a risk? Like, is that is that is the one and the other the same? Like, you can't be creative without taking risk, or? Um, I think there should be some risk involved. Um. This this is just a personal opinion of mine, but like for me, art in a way has to be controversial in a sense where not everybody likes it. I think if you're making true art that's true to yourself, people are naturally some people don't like it, some people don't. I personally think that taking risk and being true to yourself um, is part of creativity. In that, um, and if if something isn't sort of cookie cutter where everybody likes it, I think that's I think you're doing art wrong, in my opinion. What about you? Also, like, there has to be some people who have to who have to push back. Like, you can't have a product that you know everybody can say they enjoy. And there has to be somebody there who finds something wrong with it. And mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's kind of boring, man. You just like <laughs> everybody likes it. Nobody. I mean, there's no, there's no yeah. really no room to grow. I mean, it's a to me the product and art becomes is a separate entity from the artist so when, when you make art it's separate from you and people are gonna judge that accordingly you know people for the most part shouldn't correlate the art and the artist um i, I, I think it is sort of two independent things now some things are like comedy where like the person the personality of a person is what makes the comedy sort of comedy that's what right. makes them funny but like stuff like movies or television or video games um art the product sort of becomes its own thing, and people can, as an as a as an individual thing, you know, the art sort of becomes its own thing in a sense where people are gonna re- react differently to it, you know. Okay. True art. It's 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 definitely a gamble um, when creating any of these things uh, from a consumer perspective. Um, I like to bring up a good example of you know taking risks. I like to bring up is. Uh, on the video game side is God of War. Um, mm. I grew up playing that series. Really loved the series. Uh, from the first game, you know, when it was still the 
the Bite Mask, Devil May Cry esque type of video game where you're just going around just slicing up everybody. And then come 2018, they released they released the the, the new. <sighs> it's not a remake. It's a continuation of the series, but it's like it was so different. A recall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that word. You have to use that word. Maybe that catch on, and people start calling it that. But it was like such a such a difference from what the originals were. You know that, that was a lot of people who uh, were a bit skeptical uh, when mm-hmm. that gameplay first dropped for it, and uh, they were showing like you know the opening scenes where uh, Kratos is is out with the trees and they're hunting. He's trying to have them hunt for a deer. Yeah, like in some of the earlier gameplay footage for that they had a like an anger meter <laughs> anger meter <laughs> like an anger meter like uh Trey would say something uh at the one scene where he shoots the deer before Kratos tells him to take the shot he gets angry and takes his bow to like, find a deer it's like anger meter <laughs> oh, <laughs> it starts geez. going up cause he's starting to get annoyed I, kn- I don't know what they plan on doing with that um it looked like an interesting concept but it never made it to the final the final cut and I'm sure it was for good reason I'm sure Santa Monica had good reason not to include that um, but when you go from the gameplay style of the, the first three games and all the other like play PSP spinoffs and that it had to God of War 2018 and 2022 it's, it feels like night and day like it has the elements of the first three games you know it still has a yeah. lot of the same moves it's still Kratos you know he still he still can be an angry dude, but he he's a completely different person mm-hmm. in terms of um, like character. If you were to meet Kratos in twenty eighteen game and twenty two twenty two game, and then look at him in the first three games, you're like, holy shit, what happened? You know? Yeah, like complete one eighty. I mean, to me, it was complete one eighty seeing him. And it was definitely worth. Like, I love seeing uh, artists just go in, try something different, and then make it work. That's a big thing. Like, yeah. you can be creative mm-hmm. all you want, but if you can make it work with what you're trying to do, if you're trying to make it into a cohesive piece and it all comes together well, it's amazing. It's amazing to see. That game blew me away. And I, I told you about it, I replayed through it. You know how much I love the game. The one of the main reasons why I do love that game is because of the creativity and the risk that it took to change up the gameplay style to reformat God of War from a different perspective. You know, it's not the top down, over the shoulder. Um, you have a you have a partner yeah. throughout the entirety of the game. You know, Kratos was always like a solo character. Um, you gotta you gotta take a risk like that. You know, you gotta you gotta have a risk like that to really put out an amazing product. Like I don't know how good the game would have been if it was the same as the first three, but I, I don't think the impact would have been the same. You know, I don't think the community would have appreciated it as much as they did if it wasn't if that wasn't the case. You know. I mean, yeah, from watching you like watching for us with like going through the gameplay of it, you know, one of the most important aspects is that the game is Kratos has changed. You know, yeah. like. A lot of the enemies in the game is like, oh, I know you. Like you, you the guy that killed all the Greek guys. Like, you this angry guy. It's like, yo, I'm, I'm not that guy anymore. You know, and I could I, be. Yeah, I could be a true. Yeah, he's like, I, I could be. <laughs> I just remember the opening scene with um, where like 
What was the guy? Was it Boulder? Yeah, Boulder. Yeah. Boulder comes to the door. He just messes with Kratos. Kratos <laughs> like, dog, go away. This is not what you want. You know, he he's trying. You can see he's trying to do his best. Yeah. But you know, it's just like he can't he can't escape it. And he does what he does. Deal with that in, the, in sort of the best in his new way. You know, he yeah. doesn't like no screw it. I'm going back. Go back to old Kratos. Um, he, he deals with it in like the new Kratos way and. I think since Kratos has changed, naturally gameplay has to change. You know, uh, and that's one of the things was nice where the gameplay and the story sort of interlink. Yeah. But like, yeah, the gameplay is different because Kratos is different too. Yeah. So if Kratos was the same Kratos, yeah. then the gameplay would have probably been the same. Old. But like, this is a new Kratos, so it, it naturally allows for new gameplay for it. So that was one of the cool aspects I, I found from you know watching you play God of War, see him change, to see the gameplay change. Because I, I never really played. The old God of War, but like I've seen like cutscenes and I've seen other people play like online and stuff like that. And yeah. like I said, different Kratos, so that requires just a different sort of gameplay for that. It was very, very smart decision. And uh, you know, another thing that I think is really big when it comes to creativity is just attention to detail. True. Yeah. Um, you know, the smaller details has always been a thing for me that like puts something above the level of just like a really good movie or a really good game you know it's the smaller details that they take the time to put in throughout you know yeah. um, <clears throat> and that could be um, plenty of uh, plenty of things plenty of media out there um, God of War you know it's the, the animations um, the interactions with the characters the storytelling mm. um, taking that little extra time to give you the details on who this character is, what they did, and then, you know, later on you meet them, you already know. Like, yeah. I know your backstory. <laughs> you know, a lot of games, they don't build that up before meeting, like, a big character, or uh, they don't set that scene for you as you're going. But mm-hmm. you got to they did that all the time, you know. And, and it just flows nicely. It makes, it makes it so that you know what's going on, why it's going on, and, you know, what to expect going forward. At least an idea of what to expect going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies, hmm. I took a movie that had, like, a lot of a lot of details in it, you know. A lot of small details that really makes it better. Like, it makes it better than it would have originally been without it, you know. I, I got to think about that. I got to think about mm-hmm. what that would be. Uh, I don't know if you have any that come to mind. Or, like, media that really went up above and beyond with the details we talked about this movie last week but I think the Batman is a really good job of that um, in terms of specifically talking about his, like his bat suit where it's like before those before the Batman you know, bat, the bat suit tends to be more spectacle mm-hmm. um, there were some gadgets that made sense but overall the, the bat suit was more just like a, a costume but in the Batman um, this is like his year two so like his suit is more like hands-on built yeah for instance like his 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 uh, symbol in his chest it's it's actually you you can take it out and it comes like a battering so now it's not just like a decorative like oh this is a bad symbol it's like yeah it's actually a practical sort of use for it or even like his um his gloves where he can um like shoot 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 like different grappling stuff from that um as well even the Batmobile is kind of just like it's it's not like this super high tech thing. It's just like oh, like That's a muscle true. car that he just like tricked out. <laughs> I didn't notice that watching. It. I was like, ah, okay, it's a little bit different from the the Batman cars that I'm. That's like walking tanks, true, uh, yeah. driving tanks. 
<laughs> used to seeing those. But it's like, yeah, he like he's he's year two, so he doesn't have quite like the arsenal that he would like like you would normally expect of Batman. And even the like the the Riddler way, like he wears like the um, the cling wrap on his head. You know, that's it's not just decorators; it's for like he doesn't leave any like hair traces in the crime scene. So, like, that was the reason for that one. And Paul Darren actually wore that around his whole body. And you could play because that it, it got, like, really hot. Because, like, imagine you're on a film set. You got all these lights beaming down at you. You got, like, cling wrap around your body. I imagine that would get get pretty hot. Yeah. Hey, nah. I think it, <laughs> I think it would. Fucking cling wrap. Damn. Yeah, man. I, I, got, I didn't pay attention to that, that detail when watching that movie. Like, the reason why you had that set up going on. Damn. Yeah, I can't leave no man. DNA at the crime scene, man. Yeah, yeah. It is a really. <laughs> very, very smart individual. I thought another cool detail, too, was that um, Riller, he he kills the mayor. He uses, like, a carpenter tool for it. And the Batman sees it, but he, but because Bruce Wayne is rich, right? He has, like, a bust up. But, like, he can't really, he doesn't know what it is, really. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Martinez, towards the end of the movie, he's like, yeah, Riller, he's a crazy son of a bitch. He used a carpenter tool, and, he, and Batman looks at him like, Carpenter tool. Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> he takes it. He like he finds the map stuff like that. But like little details like that. Like you know, Bruce Wayne is rich. He probably hasn't had to use a carpenter tool in his life, so he he wouldn't really know what what that is. But somebody like Martinez, who's like a cop, his dad was probably like a, his dad. He said his dad was like a carpenter, so like he would know stuff like that. So it's nice to see movies take like you said take. Artists take little details like that where it'd be like making the suit sort of practical where everything has a function to it. Yeah. And even like the Batmobile or even the Riddler suit where like say he has to clean wrap stuff like that. It's little details like that like say that like, when you go back look at it, it's like oh that makes sense why why that's there you know. So talking about the details and you know like the you know taking risks with this stuff it, it obviously sounds like it's worth right like taking that extra time to do something different with what you're trying to make mm-hmm. but you don't see it a lot at least I don't at least I don't see it as often as mm-hmm. I would say we used to like the, the industry is just they, do they not think it's worth the risky um that, that, that goes back to my argument with the previous with how Hollywood movies are being made now it's just so much money is, is put into like two movies where like they can't afford you can't you just can't afford to have those two movies five if you put all your eggs in those baskets yeah. and like I said I think how you need to go back to making like making you know like sure commercial hits that, that, that's fine it's a business at the end of the day Hollywood is a business true but you know having lower budget movies where people can't take risks where you're like okay if this movie doesn't make money it won't it won't bankrupt us you know we can we, we can afford to take chances um, and I, don't, I still think like Hollywood just doesn't get himself the room to make those uh, sort of creative things because they are risks. Because at the end of the day, if it works, and you know, it's everybody loves you. You're you're the next Quentin Tarantino. If it fails, then you know you suck. You're never gonna work again. People Watch are gonna up. yeah, people are gonna drag you on, on Twitter on the internet. You know, so it's it's. In theory, it sounds nice. Like, yeah, you know, I'm taking risks. But a lot of times when people are making art and movies and video games, it's like, this is it. If, if I don't, you know, like, especially like you're up a kind of artist. Like, yo, if I make this, if I make this movie, if I make this video game and it doesn't work out, that's it for me. That, you know, that there is, most of the time, there is no second chance because there's always somebody else willing to come up and take your spot. 
So I just wish Hollywood would just like say take take time, take take a little money out for the low budget stuff that you know our commercial hits and just give them give them space to to work on so give them give them space to fail you know it's like it's like it's okay you people need spaces to fail like it's it's okay like your movie doesn't know to see right away and for movies in general i don't know about video games but like movies become can become cult classics where something like blade runner 249 didn't do well at the box office but people love the movie People think it's a great movie, and it became a cult classic over and over time. So, you know, and stuff right away just to not say hit. You know, like I said, I can't think of a video game. Maybe you can think of one where like it when it first came out, people didn't really like it, but over time, people really start to appreciate it. Mm. I, I definitely, I, I think on that one. That it has to be one. Like when you had mentioned. The cult classic, like one of the movies, I had a movie that came to mind for me, and that was um, Fifth Element. Oh, fifth, yeah, Fifth Element. Fifth Element, yeah. yeah. It wasn't received the best, but that's that's one of my favorite movies. It's and a great movie. It's like least, if not top five, it's in top ten for sure. I got I got to get that list. <laughs> I got to make that list. But man, Fifth Element was so good, and I could watch that movie over and over again, and it's. Mainly for the you know the reason you said and just I mean, the cast the 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 wildness of what's going on in the movie the aliens the you know, the sci-fi yeah. the the comedy um, what's his name uh, Chris, Chris Tucker, Tucker yeah. yeah Chris Tucker <laughs> his character <laughs> one of one of my favorite characters in movies shit is hilarious um, you know I, I bet I bet they thought that was a artist too and like I said it wasn't received well but like. Looking back on it, it's a damn good movie. Yeah, but and I, I recommend it every time. That movie was ahead of its time too. Like that's the thing. A lot of movies is just like ahead of its time. Like they come out now at the time. Like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> Chris Tucker. Like, what, what's going on? It's and you watch it like ten, ten years from like later. You're like, oh, I get it. Like, oh man, that's such a great movie. You know, people. Yeah. You know. I saw it. First saw that my dad showed that to me when I was, when I was probably like 11, 12, pretty young. Um, I didn't get it at first, but then I just started watching it over and over again you know, growing up. And it's just like, you, you can't, I can't think of any other movie that feels the same, that gives me the same feeling as that movie, as uh, Fifth Element, that hits the same. It's just a very entertaining, fun movie to watch. <clears throat> um, but going from that, I usually hear about creative bankruptcy you know, nowadays. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your opinion on it. Do you think there's a creative bankruptcy in the industries? Um, is that mm-hmm. something that's apparent or um, just, or is it like a short spell? You know, like is it a trend, short spell? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think at this point, movies and just games in general, they're trying to maximize profits. Cause I, I always hate that, like you know, Hollywood. There's no no creative people in Hollywood. Hollywood is you know, like I said, creative bank grew up. It's like they have plenty of creative like people out there. You know, they just not giving them the chance. You know, it's just like it's, it's all about the money right now. Yeah. But, I mean, we see movies like um, In the Theory of Everything, Everywhere at Once. That was a that was a great movie. Oh, you know, yeah. That was very oh, a very yeah. creative movie. 
know, even like Spider Verse was a very creative movie, and you know, we saw Barbie and Oppenheimer this weekend. Those are very creative movies. You know, so there, there are definitely people out there who can make creative movies. You know, A24 is a perfect example of that. You know, all, yeah. all their movies are really creative, you know. And so I, I just think Hollywood is just too focused on the business side of it and, and, and making money. I think once, like I said, once the money starts getting hit and movies like Barbie Oppenheimer become more common, we get these, you know, these sort of mid-budget movies making way more than like the big budget movies. I think Hollywood's gonna listen, but at the end of the day, it starts with the fans. You know, the fans have to not go out and watch junk. They have to make sure, like, voice their opinions. Hey, this is what we want. And I think movie fans are starting to do that a lot more. You know, like I said, The Flash, Bomb, Suzanne 2 Bomb, you know, Little Mermaid, and Ant-Man, they didn't make as much money, as I said on previous podcasts. Uh, but... I think Hollywood's is starting to listen now. Hopefully, well, we'll see you know, how the strike goes. If if Hollywood really paying attention, because uh, yeah, it's that looking good for Hollywood right now. That's true. Like seeing the outcome of that is going to be huge. Um, yeah, because I, I can't even imagine where it's going to go if they if Hollywood doesn't you know, reciprocate. Mm-hmm. They don't meet the demands that's being asked for right now. I'm like, what, what are you gonna? What, what are they gonna do? <laughs> You're not gonna have anybody. At least anybody sensible enough to work in these to work in these movies, you know. Uh, but when I hear people talk about creative bankruptcy in the industries, and this is this branches like all three, <clears throat> I disagree to an extent. I don't think that there's just a complete creative bankruptcy. Um, like you mentioned, there are still studios out there that are putting out good pieces of work, but. Uh, we don't I don't I don't see any of the like the Suspirias anymore like I don't see any movies like that anymore and to be fair that was what a French 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 movie Italian one of the two and it was back it was way back but like I, I don't see movies produced like that you know that has like that pop of color or like the the, the eeriness of the the school and the classrooms and the witches and all that shit like just putting it together like pieces of media like that is like far and few in between man yeah which is which is sad like going more modern I would say like the D&D movie was pretty creative Uh, when I saw that that was very fun very creative movie and it stuck true to what D&D is and that was pretty big uh, when watching it as well like it's possible like there's there's no there's no bankruptcy it's just maybe not enough time, not enough um, freedom to do what you want to do with a movie, and it, it's pretty sad to, to to see. But there are still individuals out there still making movies, still making games that are still trying to keep this alive, and those are the people who should be getting like the big bucks, who should be. Uh, racking in at the box office or racking in at video game sales because you know that can show other companies uh, in terms of like video game companies you have Santa Monica who did God of War and that made tons of money and then you have studios like uh, fucking EA (laughs) or or fucking Activision uh, Activision Blizzard it's like how how can you be a studio looking at God of War coming out how can you be a studio looking at 
I mean, I think Final Fantasy 16 is a damn good game. Looking at Final Fantasy 16 or any of the other very well-made, well-sold games coming out and then, like, not try to change the formula. That, that's what blows my mind when it comes to these industries and, like, uh, creative outlook. Like, they're doing it, it's failing, and then they're still doing it. And that doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Um, I, I can't explain that. It, it doesn't. It doesn't feel human. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. I mean, you're supposed to like analyze, adapt, grow, be better, but that's not happening. It, it, it's crazy to me. With video games, man. I if if I had to pick one thing, I would just say microtransactions. Yeah, that, that was definitely a killer. That was yeah. definitely a killer. That microtransaction money, man. It's it, it's crazy, man. Rockstar. We talked. I think we mentioned this last podcast. Rockstar is just making. So much money off the of microtransactions off of GTA Five. It's like, why do we need to put make out a new game? We'll be making plenty of money off of this. We can just, <laughs> hey, this is a new um, DLC. Just, just buy this. I mean, it, I mean, if if you can, if companies can make money doing less, they will. <laughs> That's the one thing about like companies and like, and to be fair. Um, Rockstar is working on, on, on GTA 6, you know, um, finally, um, it's, we're starting to see the, the fruits of that, but um, for the most part, I think they're just content with just like the microtransactions and, you know, with games like we, we talked about, um, EA, you know, that was a big thing with Star Wars, um, Battlefront 2, was the microtransactions, and I believe they got taken to court in the EU for that as well, yeah. um, so... And also the, the famous CS:GO <laughs> uh, microtransactions too. Uh, that, that was really that was really bad because it was gambling. Man. Yeah, literally For just kids. gambling. Exactly. So towards kids, it's insane. And <clears throat> it's uh, they, I, I think back to like EA and uh, the Madden series. Oh man! Um, back in 2003, they had the Madden 03 came out and. <clears throat> Madden 03 was a very fun Madden game. I mean, they're, they're pretty much all similar, different mechanics throughout the years. But like Madden 03 and the ones before it, they had like these super teams, uh, which was like these all 99 overall teams. Uh, but they were like insane teams. They had like the Sugar Bus, which was like a bunch of super strong heroes, <laughs> all 99 you know, stats running around. And they had a. Uh, like the mummies, which is just a bunch of mummies for a football team. They had the Frankenstein's. I forget what the teams were called, but they had like different. That sounds cool. Like you know, joke teams, all ninety nine overall, and with like Frankenstein superheroes and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That didn't last too. I mean, it, it it was in the games before that, but after '03, I think they took it out in '04. They like, just removed that from the from the series, and you know that was a that was a very fun creative part of the game like you still had all the other teams there um, but they took out that element they want to be more realistic they changed the music up mm-hmm. it became more of like the, <laughs> like the NFL video review type yeah. uh, music you would hear in like a movie about football or something very uh, orchestra based type music and you know, seeing seeing that, I, f- I felt like that was the first downfall to the series because they just started taking like the fun out of the game. Like it was fun to play, but like those fun 
small elements that they had in there that wasn't intrusive. It wasn't intrusive at all. They took that stuff out and they never put it back in. And the series has gradually gone downhill. I don't even play Madden anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth the time to play anymore, especially the microtransactions for um, the disgusting my my team or whatever the hell it is for their online. It's not worth. It's not worth it all. So. Mm-hmm. I, I hope to see a change in all that because it's, it's, it's supposed to be fun. You know, movies are supposed to be fun and uh, just don't see it no more, man. Yeah, that's, that's my biggest problem with video games in, in general. Just like everything is, I hate when I hear video games like, this is cinematic. It's like, like if I want cinematic, I will go watch a movie. I want video yeah, games. It's the purpose. Like that's the number one thing about a video game. It's supposed to be fun. That should be the first thing when creating a video game. Is this fun? Yeah. <laughs> it's an easy question too. Easy, <laughs> easy question. Is this a fun thing to play? You say no. <laughs> Time to go back to the drawing board. But nah, you're hearing like no. This is not. This is this isn't that fun. Well, let's have some actual that would make it fun. Yeah, make it a little bit better. Let's let's update the game a couple months after of it after it releases. Then let's put the the real content in. You know, maybe it's half a game and then yeah. <laughs> DLC the rest of the fifty. Some 50%. bad habits that's been picked up over over the years. Um, hopefully, like you said earlier with the movies, you know the the consumers got big many people. You got to mm-hmm. talk with your money, and they can change that. <clears throat> But we'll see. We'll see. Especially with the strike going on. That'd be the first indicator for me where we're going in the future. Like yeah. with movies, with games, um, and the industries is how the strike's gonna go. So I don't know. No creative bankruptcy, definitely though. That's that's some truth to it, but it's I think it's absurd. I think it's an absurd jump to just say that no creative people no at creative all people. exist. No creative people. That wants to make all. movies. That's pretty silly. Yeah, you're not looking. You're not looking hard enough if you're if you believe that. I would say you're not looking yeah. hard enough for the good stuff. I mean, that's the thing too. It's like like anything good, that's truly good, is not going to be mainstream. Yeah, like it's yeah. just 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 impossible. You know, you got you got to look for. You got to go to like the art house theaters if you want to like you know play. If you want to watch like a you know. A really good movie. Like we we go to the Salt Lake Film Society and we see a bunch of like stuff um, that that's not mainstream. And like we watched Seven Samurai. You know that was yeah. something something not gonna see at the, at your at your local theater. That's for sure. Even though that's a, like one of the considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Still, you know, it's black and white subtitles. Americans hate Americans hate subtitles. So <laughs> that, that's a thing. I don't know. Why that's a thing? Stupidest thing ever. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you gotta look for it, man. Stop being lazy. Can't can't read and watch at the same time. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> too hard for Americans. Uh, seven Samurai. Oh, I gotta watch it again. It's yeah, man. <clears throat> Such a good movie. I don't know. As, as a consumer and as somebody who wanted to get into like making video games himself, um, I look at the the industry and it's, it kind of makes you not want to like get involved to a degree you know with the way things are right now and I can see anybody who's, who's an aspiring programmer or an inspiring writer director 
producer. It's like you have to collaborate. At some point, you got to collaborate with the people who are doing this shit. Yeah. And you know, I can see that being a real a real bummer for anybody who wants to get in. Like, like I said, I wanted to get into video game making because you know I I would love to be able to just get on a project with a team and put out a, a fun a fun video game I can be proud of. You know, mm-hmm. but. And then it's a question of, oh well, who's who's gonna be your publisher? You know, you might you might get somebody like Fucking Blizzard. Oh my god! <laughs> you yeah, get somebody oh like Blizzard. Like, oh, I picked this up. We'll throw you the money for this. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, it is scary. It's scary. You don't want to work with people like that, especially when you know they they don't have the the interests of the the consumer in mind. Like, that's not their main concern. Mm-hmm. Like if you're you're making a painter, uh, you know, a painter creates, you know, their art to a degree for the consumer as well. But it's also a reflection of like themselves, yeah. On, you know, on the canvas. Um, with the producer, the writer, it's the same thing for the screen and for the the developers and the, the you know the video game producers is you know for the for the console for the screen as well. <clears throat> um, how can you forget the most important aspect of why you're doing this? Yeah. You know, like, you're not just making this to sit in the corner and not talk about it. Yeah. Like, you're right. making this to sell to other people. Why do you not want them to enjoy your game? Why do you mm-hmm. want to get this shit just berated on the internet? Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Or, like, why do you want your movie berated on the internet for weeks upon weeks and then feel bad about it later? You do it right the yeah. first time, man. Come on. And these executives are just so out of touch. It, it, it's ridiculous to see sometimes to make decisions. You're like, how do you not think that was wasn't was gonna wasn't gonna fail? You know, it's like it's it's crazy, and it, it's it's just so many barriers nowadays. You know, we talked about video games too, and, and movies. You know, it's like it's tough when like you, you can't even be true to yourself, or just like if you make one minor mistake, like if you have something where like, oh, you didn't have. Taiwan is part of China. Sorry, you can't release your game. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, oh, yeah, we're gonna have to can your can your game. It's just impossible. It's like, oh, you you can't say this, or you can't say that. I, I'm under the belief that as an artist, you can put whatever you want in your art. Yes. People have the right to feel however they want to feel about that. Yeah. That, that, that's sort of my 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 take on it, but. Yeah, it's just like that. That stuff too is just like it's just so many barriers to making good art nowadays. It's just ridiculous. You can't bend the the whole like Taiwan thing. I, that that sucks. That's yeah. a big that's a big stinker right there. You just having to bend the knee for that one, or like your whole entire project is just not going to be shown in China because of this. It's like yeah. hate to see it. Hate to see it. And I, and I would hope that in that situation, you know, that bites. China or any other, um, any other place that wants to do that, bite them in the ass more than the studio working yeah. on it. But a lot do, a lot, a lot do bend the knee for that one. Unfortunate. Um, <clears throat> so going from that one and creative bankruptcy, we got two movies, two really, really good movies. Oh yeah, two creative movies. <laughs> Perfect for this topic. For sure. Um, that being Barbie, Oppenheimer. I don't know which one you want to go with. Start with first. 
Um, let's start with the order we watched it. We can start with Barbie. Okay. Um, I, I I really enjoy Barbie. Um, there there were a lot of talks online about you know, for certain, it's called ideologues about you know Barbie being anti manness and you know pro pro this. But uh, for me, uh, for the most part, it's like one scene at the entire movie, which I, I can't even say that it hurt the movie at all. It was just a little annoying, but. For the most part, Barbie does a really great job of balancing those serious topics, but also being a comedy too, as well. Mm. Um, and that's that's really nice and enjoy where you can like, you can, you they can say something serious and then undercut it with a joke. And you're like, I get it, and I can still laugh without people judging right. because everybody's laughing in the theater for that. And we were, we were watching like the whole theater. Everybody who was in the theater was just they were laughing all the time. Like, yeah. I was supposed to be laughing. So many scenes that movie over. Um, hilarious. The set design for Barbie, Barbie Land was great. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the the plastic the plastic feel. Like when they're uh, driving to go to the real world, and like they can't shows up in the back seat, yeah. and Barbie like <laughs> turns the steering wheel yeah. and the car does the flip and it falls down. It's like you know, like those are the small details, like the yeah. the puff of smoke, the the animated puff of smoke, or true um, stuff like that. Like it, it better develops the world that we're in, and I can appreciate it. Mm. Um, even like Ken's fucking plastic-looking washboard abs at times <laughs> <laughs> had me had me dying. Um, it's a fun movie to watch, and plenty of. Playing with adult jokes for a PG thirteen, like mm-hmm. undertoned. Uh, and I, I really do believe that, you know, this is more for the adults than it is for the kids. Yeah. You know. And that's that's cool with me. Mm-hmm. I can imagine what this movie would be like if it was already <laughs> True, oh God. <laughs> Real Pharaoh would be doing some wild shit <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, but what do you think was like a standout scene for you? For this movie, um, definitely like the the Ken, <laughs> the Ken Battle War scene. To me, that was uh, that, that was a great scene. Not just like it was, the battle was was funny in itself, but it also was like Ken sort of becoming being okay with himself. He's like, you know, I'm Ken. Anywhere else, I'll be a ten. But to yeah. her, I'm just another blind guy. And then after the like during the battle, like they're fighting, but as the battle progressed. They sort of come together, like you know what? Why are we fighting? Like we're, we're enough. Like you know, we we don't need Barbie. Like right. we're 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 kidding enough, you know. And can't enough. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that that's a phrase. Man. I have to put that in the bio. But um, and to me, that that was just a, a really great scene to see that development of Ken from being from going for you know trying to. You know, he he was trying to press Barbie at a certain extent. Like they like said, like Ken is like without Barbie, Ken is Ken is nothing. It's yeah. Barbie and Ken. So you know, him overtaking Barbie Land, making that the kingdom, kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what it was called. Yeah, the kingdom is like it. It was like to show Barbie, like you know, you know, I, I'm important too. You know, like like you like I, I'm, I'm worth something. And that battle sort of was like the uh, culmination of that. It was like you know what. I don't need Barbie. I'm I'm kin enough, you know. Like we we can do this. Like we're good. Yeah, I gotta agree. The that was probably one of my favorite scenes too. Was the the big battle 
it's just so over the top, mm. so absurd, but like fun, man. Like the the tennis rackets and the <laughs> and the bowl, like the the make believe bowl, like them flexing really hard and like blowing somebody away. Like it's the beach off. <laughs> the beach off. It's it, it's incredible. I didn't that blew past my expectations for what this movie was going to be. Mm-hmm. Going in completely blind. I don't know if you if it was completely blind for you, like no trailers, no no any background knowledge on it. I saw I saw a couple of trailers, so I, I was privy to what the movie was, was trying to go for mm-hmm. in terms of Barbie's journey. Um, I wasn't expecting Ken's journey; they didn't reveal too much of that. But as far as Barbie's journey is concerned, the trailers made that sort of fairly clear. So I was a little privy to that information. Yeah, I think it was handled very well. And also, what was, what was his name? Uh, it was, was it Ryan? No. Ryan Gosling, the main Ken? No, uh, the, uh, it was one of the, it was not the Ken. It was Michael Cera's character. Oh, Alan. Alan. <laughs> Ken's buddy. <laughs> um, Alan was one of the characters in that movie that, uh, I thought it was pretty cool, especially when he started kicking everybody's ass in that one scene. Yeah. And, you know, helping Barbie and them, you know, fix what Ken <laughs> had made. Like, Alan actually got a lot more screen time than I expected him to. True. Which, which only helped the movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get the, like, he didn't get, like, the full character arc, of course, but mm-hmm. he was there enough and he did enough where he was relevant. True. So yeah, I give him that for the for one character who's who's not Ken, yeah. <laughs> and everybody else seems to ignore to a degree. He got some love, and I, I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk about well, we talked about Ken and Alan, but you know, Barbie's journey is obviously the the main focus of the yeah. movie. Where you know Barbie lives in Barbie land, where you know women run every day and. What the idea of Barbie is sort of personified there because it's Barbie land. She's like, well, you know, the real world has to be just like this too, you know, because cause that's why I exist. So, yeah. you know, if I'm here and I'm doing my thing, we're doing our thing, obviously the real world isn't like that. And the main sort of problem was Barbie's has this connection with a, with, a, with a mother in the real world mm-hmm. and her emotions are starting to come into Barbie and Barbie's sort of feeling all these emotions like, I. I don't like this. What's going on? This is not supposed to happen, because the real world is perfect. Because you know, I'm Barbies is this, you know, and she goes out there and she sort of discovers the problems with the real world, and that like not everything is perfect. In a way, the real world sort of for me, um, people may sound wrong, but this is just my opinion on it. The real world is sort of like a mirror of, of Barbie Land, but like oh, the real world, men run every day. And in Barbie Land, women won everything, but sort of some of the same problems is this there. Specifically, like, the mother is sort of example where, like, you know, she, she's tired of, you know, the expectations of her and what it takes to be a woman in the real world. Yeah. And Ken is sort of married there where, like, he's like a man and, like, he has to sort of uh, perform for Barbie. Like, Barbie, he like he, he's nothing without Barbie. And, you know, I was... I like that connection that they that they made there, yeah. where it's not just like, you know, men the patriarchy is bad, it sucks. It's like, yeah, that sucks too. But you know, Barbie Land kind of sucks too. There's a lot it of stuff. Does. And it's, it kind of does to a degree. And it has a general <laughs> like, you know, people just sucks in general. To me, that's why I got like people suck in general, and we have to 
make sure replacing one hierarchy with another hierarchy isn't necessarily going to solve all the problems. And we have to make sure everybody sort of feels appreciated in whatever sort of world we try to create. Uh, good balance. And I, I really love that aspect of it. There's one really good scene where Barbie is sitting where she's trying to connect with the mother and she's just sort of sitting there and then she sort of feels the real world. You can see different aspects of people. People mm-hmm. are laughing. Kids are playing. You also got couples are crying. You got this one guy. He's feeling depressed. He got his music in his ear and you can just sort of feel her feeling all that. And all it's a really, it's one of my, like, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, you know. All that emotion. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes was actually when she met the like near the end of the movie uh, when she was talking to the creator yeah, of Ruth. Barbie or yeah Roof and she was like can I be human you know like can can I do this and it's like you can do if that's what you want to do you can do whatever you mm-hmm. want to do you know it's up to you be whoever you want to be you know that's also you know what the cans got what uh, can got from that as well and I was like it's it's a good message to send, you know, like, mm-hmm. go out there, be who you want to be, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is that you want to be, and, you know, try to, try to live a life with meaning that you, that you, and you give that meaning to yourself, you know, you don't try mm-hmm. to look at uh, how you should be, how you should be, like, what he says in the movie, she's the stereotypical, stereotypical like, you don't have to be the stereotypical Barbie, if you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, after taking in all that that feeling that one scene that you was mentioning earlier, I don't think she could ever go back anyway. Yeah, um, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Actually, no, I don't think anybody goes back. Like then, Barbie Land is just it's kind of weird to say, but <sighs> sentient <laughs> to a degree. Like, yeah, like they they're all just completely changed from that now. Like mm-hmm. the whole situation that happened. That plastic doll-like feelings is not there in the, in, in the movie anymore. Like these are, they feel like they don't feel like dolls anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I found it to be a very, very nice change, progressing throughout the movie. That like all these dolls just start to see the world differently from just like every day is perfect. You know, like they go in a short amount of time when Ken comes back and changes up everything. They go through some. Hard times. Yeah. Especially with the brainwashing and all that. <laughs> <laughs> the brainwashing was a bit was a bit out there. <laughs> I didn't expect that yeah. when she came back. But uh, I guess I was going to ask, when it comes to um, like the patriarchy and trying to find that good balance, um, we discussed this a little bit last night too. Like it, it was handled pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wasn't, other than that one scene, it wasn't too preachy mm-hmm. about about that. Mm-hmm. If anything is, made fun of it, make jokes about it, uh, while also like, oh yeah, this is kind of a thing. Yeah. Keep that in the back of your mind. This is how it goes today. But we can we can laugh about it, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm I'm so glad that they didn't go down yeah. that route. <laughs> I think like, it's, it's, you mentioned the brainwashing. Is that one scene <laughs> where they? <laughs> <laughs> they like they got like like the like this the swimsuits on. It's like 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 I love not thinking. I just put my brain on autopilot. <laughs> like normally in, in like a normal context, you you wouldn't you wouldn't laugh at these like, oh, people. Are like you know, people are gonna judge me for it. But like in a movie, it's just it's just so funny that like everybody's laughing. Like literally everybody's laughing at that yeah. at, at that part. And 
to me, I, I, that's what I loved about the movie. It's just like it can, it can, it can have serious things, but like same time, it's still funny. You can still make, you can still laugh. At it. It's a comedy at the end of the day. Yeah, and like and just as just as much as it, you know, makes those jokes about women. You know, you got the whole Mattel company run by the whole board is run by all these guys, all these men. You know, Will Ferrell being the head of them. And they're complete idiots. Yeah. <laughs> like, complete idiots. Like, the whole Scooby-Doo scene. Yeah. <laughs> chasing Barbie through the chemicals. Yeah. And, like, yeah. he runs into her, yeah. screams, yeah. and then runs past her. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Dude, I was... Killed me. Hilarious scene. And, like, they're, they're joking about men. You know, it, it's an equal balance of jokes on both sides. You know, it's, it's not one just, like, being, being on one end and not doing anything mm-hmm. on the other. And, you know... That that helps make it, you know, take it a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> nobody should really be getting hurt, but I mean, of course, people will be. Yeah. I've seen some of the reviews already online. People are just <sighs> taking this shit too seriously, way too mm-hmm. seriously. <laughs> well, you know, some people have like their audience, you know, yeah. online, and their audience have a certain viewpoint. They have to cater to that viewpoint, and so like a lot of times, people. When I saw Ben Shapiro, you know, like when, when I saw that he went to go see he's going to do a review, I already knew what he was going to say about it before. Yeah. I, I have to watch this, but I already knew what he was going to say because it's Ben Shapiro and he has a specific you know, brand that he has to appeal to. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but like I think if people go in this movie just like don't have any expectations and just go into it blind, like I'm just going to enjoy the movie, I think for the most part, most people will enjoy the movie. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot. There's a lot to enjoy. You know, that's a lot of, a lot of good laughs, a lot of good scenes, a lot of uh, beautiful creative sets to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, L.A. L.A. is L.A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> L.A. is L.A. when it comes to sets. Uh, but like, there's so much to look at in Barbie Land. Um, the Mattel building was kind of Mattel building was kind of kind of cool. Like that one scene where. Um, Barbie walks into that door after running away from the board and it's just like a black room yeah. with a small piece which is the kitchen for Ruth mm-hmm. and it's like oh this is a drastic change <laughs> where we were just at and it was like but it changed the whole tone like just like that yeah and then she goes and you know she has the conversation drink some tea and you know, you meet Ruth, and it's like Ruth is. When I first saw her, I was like, "Okay, who is this character? What's her significance?" Because she's in this dark room, and that was a comment that uh, Will Ferrell's character made near the end of the movie. But it's like she's a she's a ghost that's on like the seventeenth that's been on the seventeenth floor. Yeah, I don't know like if that's a true statement. Like she's just a, a ghost, or she's just a really. El, like an elderly lady just there but mm-hmm. I guess near the end of the movie mm-hmm. with that final conversation they had mm-hmm. uh, I think she is cause she just kind of just vanishes yeah she vanishes like <laughs> when she shows Barbie like fucking <laughs> the universe <laughs> don't I give you this knowledge yeah. and I'm gone yeah so so much but uh you can't you can't be mad at this movie yeah I there's no way they did a great job with this movie and I I think it puts Mattel like on the on the board for like other 
possible movies they could be. Oh man, they're they're talking about a Barbie cinematic universe. I was like, what? A cinematic universe. So the, the way the way I'm hearing it so far is they they're gonna take like you know, yeah Barbie Land. They're gonna do like that for like other sort of properties as well. For what yeah. I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not I don't think they're gonna do like a second Barbie movie. It, to me, a second Barbie movie would, would wouldn't make sense. I don't know what you would say that. The first movie hasn't already said, yeah, um, but yeah, it's just just like Hollywood, you know. You take something unique and original, like let's make it more money, you know, like Mr. Krabs. It. <laughs> I, I'm just at a loss of where they even go with that. That is, I don't know. I I don't know what they're gonna do for that one. That was that's a Hot Wheels movie, man. No, Mattel doesn't make Hot Wheels, do they? Huh? Does Mattel make Hot Wheels? I think. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, let me let me know. But yeah, it's just like, oh man, you guys gotta. Yep, Mattel makes Hot Wheels, so Hot. be look out for that, guys. Hot Wheels. <laughs> Hot Wheels movie, man. Hot Wheels land. They gonna have like live action, have like those giant Hot Wheel loops. They be going through. Oh, that's gonna be. As long as it's not like a Fast and Furious. Oh, <laughs> Tight movie. Vin Diesel cameo. <laughs> hey, don't get my ideas, bro. Yeah, true, yeah. Don't get my ideas. That do it. That do it. Okay, well, hey, get ready for Mattel Cinematic Universe. That's gonna be interesting. He's just fucking ruined a, a, something that was good, man. Just that's how it went in that show. Just man. One and done it, man. Yeah, it's just like it's okay. You don't have to extend stuff. Like stuff can exist in the pocket by itself. You yeah. Know? Like if you want to make another one, like don't. Give it some time, you know. Uh, don't just oh, this did good. Time to push out ten more, ten more in the span of uh, I don't know how many years. But, but it's like they're missing a the point, you know. Like, yeah. like what, what makes Barbie great is that it, it, it is unique. It is its own thing, and when you try to duplicate that, you're just not gonna do it because it's not unique. If you're making a copy of it, right? You know, so. It's just, again, it's just Hollywood executives just missing the entire point of why something is making money. It's not because that, you. it's just because, you know, like, oh, it's just Barbie and people like, you know, existing properties redone new. It's like, no, Barbie is, they're using Barbie to tell a, a more complex story. Barbie is sort of a vehicle for that. So. It's a great, great history lesson. Oh, like a lot of the Barbie Dolls and the materials from the that has been put out for Barbie, like seeing the different Barbies that have been put out, the the pregnant one that mm. got discontinued, <laughs> uh, the one with the TV in the back, yeah. or uh, the one with the fucking you raise her arms up and her fucking her boobs. Yeah, that was I, I didn't know about that one. <laughs> like you know, growing up, <laughs> growing up uh, having two sisters. You know they had their fair share mm-hmm. of Barbies, and it was it was it was pretty fun. It was it was kind of funny seeing some of them brought back and like talked about and like them taking the time to show off like her her clothes when Ken is throwing them out of her house, True. Like, the freeze frame. Like oh, this is mm-hmm. an outfit she had, and this was the name. Like those going back to you know creativity. Those are the, the small details. Yeah. You know um, the small attention that's given to to the product. That elevates it, you know. They they didn't have to give back the whole entire. I don't want to say the whole entire. But they had to like get a, the the details, the little bit of a history lesson on the different Barbies and the different mm-hmm. types of clothes she had and all that. They didn't have to do that, but they did. Mm-hmm. And you know, 
it only makes it better than they did. I, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Movie was definitely a risk. Because uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people thought it was going to not do well. Like, what the fuck are they doing here? But yeah, it, probably. It knocked it out the park. Yeah. I knocked it out the park. I give it a solid, solid 8.5. It's funny, I was, I was exactly thinking at 8.5. <laughs> 8.5. 8.5. Good yeah. movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, if you're listening to this, you haven't seen it, give it a shot. Go check mm-hmm. it out. you have a good time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. So, now you got to get to the the big bomb. Yeah. <laughs> the big bomb. <laughs> Oppenheimer. Christopher Nolan. Uh, donate again. Oh, yeah. Um. I will say just before you know, we get into the the meat and potatoes, uh, Cillian Cillian Murphy, Oppenheimer, uh, his actor. It's it's been a treat to see this guy as an actor throughout the years. Like the first movie I saw him in was Twenty Eight Days Later. Oh yeah, it's right. Oh, was, it's right. Yeah, that was like two thousand and two. Yeah, like super young. He's the guy that like wakes up too, right? Like, yeah. Okay. He, he wakes up like the whole world is fucking quiet zombified he just doesn't know yet wakes up in the hospital uh, I gotta watch that again sometime yeah um, like seeing him develop and seeing his movies throughout the years has been a treat and then seeing him in Oppenheimer man it's like <sighs> nothing warms like like warms my heart when it comes to art uh, creativity than just seeing an actor uh, or you know writer developer just get better and better and better. And he performed so well in this movie. And the whole cast performs phenomenally throughout the movie. But it was silly to put it, put it on there. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. put it on there. Um, but I just want to put that in there. You know, great, great actor. Love the guy. Love his movies. Um, Oppenheimer's amazing. Where do you even start? Where do you start? Oh, man. Um I probably saw Obama himself. I think uh, Murphy does a really good job of sort of portraying a, a, a tortured artist yeah. in a sense where, like, he's, he realizes that, you know, this is probably not a good thing to do, like, like in the grand scheme of things. But because of, you know, the Germans and the Russians, well, first it was Germany, um, you know, working on their own atomic bomb, he sort of realizes, like, this is more so a necessary evil, like... I don't want to do it, but, like, I'd rather have us have it mm-hmm. than them have it. Because if they have it, then it's going to be way worse thing than we're going to come up with. So, I think he does a good job of, like, you know, I don't want to do this, but, like, it, it has to be done. Right. And I think, especially during World War Two, there was a lot of that mentality going around where, like, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is, is not good. We, we shouldn't be, you know, this, this war isn't, isn't good, but... It has to be fought. We have to stop the you know, the Nazis. Right. Like, this is just this necessary evil, and like I said, that, that that's a really good sort of mentality for that that time period. I think Nolan does a really good job of, of capturing that, and just sort of moving the whole. Um, it does really, like I said, it does a really good job of you know displaying sort of um, Oberheimer's sort of struggles with that, and like the nightmares she's have where he's having these dreams where like you can see like these. Sort of abstract, sort of the science behind the um, the atomic bomb. Well, like he's sleeping, you can sort of see like the neutrons oh, yeah, clashing, like atoms, and stuff. Yeah, atoms yeah, I mean, clashing and stuff. It's just like he, he's just tortured by it, you know, like the possibility of it. That's like I also saw it as like a this is like a race against the clock to beat the other <clears throat> these these other 
uh, factions from getting the bomb out first. But you know, it was also the the scientific pursuit, you know, for the knowledge. Like, you know, before they actually start getting to it, he's like, you know, it's all theoretical. Yeah, he's a theorist at heart. Yeah, like this this is possible. We don't know the extent of this, but then like, oh well, I think it's a scene when uh, one of his one of his students or like one of his colleagues comes in with the newspaper. He's like, they did it. He's like, that's not possible. No way. And then like, from there, I think it it starts off as a scientific pursuit. Mm. just to see where this can go but unfortunately it turns into being used as a weapon which mm. like you said you know that that ends up causing like a lot of the, the problems for him uh, throughout this movie it's like I'm doing this man, and I feel like he was doing it mainly for a scientific pursuit like this is just because I love I love to do this you mm. know this is <laughs> you know this is my life this is mm. what I study this is what I teach but now I gotta do it for you know, war-related reasons. You know, it's yeah. like I can only imagine. I can only imagine how that can just sully what you love. You know, your academic pursuit is crazy. Yeah, he, I say he definitely feels just like the, the torture artist, where like um, even like the artist that sort of becomes who makes great art and they become part of like the studio system and they they, they try to justify it, but like mm-hmm. but like. One of the key things throughout the movie is like he's like you know this this is period I'm doing this for the pure love of science even though I'm making a bomb this is for science yeah and a lot of his colleagues are like dude you know that's bullshit it's like at the end of the day like you know this is a bomb you know you know what they're gonna do with it and you know the dangers it's gonna cause and he's yeah. sort of like I know I know I know the dangers behind it but like for me you know it's 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 for the love of, of science and and sort of artists can get like that too where like you know art, artists are making art and then they get part of like the big studio system and they make you know these commercial garbage mm-hmm. and they're like you know what I'm still making art these guys give me the resources to make it and then people are like dude you're not making the art that you they'd be used to making right. and to me like I said he, he really reminds me just like of, of a trouble artist in a sense I know he's a scientist but like this, this is love for creativity you can see in him that he has yeah you know, Einstein talks about that too. Um, those things are really good with him and Einstein as well. And sort of Einstein is, for me, he's sort of like the future for him. Where like towards the end of the movie, he tells him like, "Yeah, remember that when you gave me that award? Like you didn't really give me that award for for me. It was more for you guys. You know, you guys don't think I, I have it anymore because I'm old. It's like, but that's gonna be you, man. It's gonna be you in a couple yeah, years. People gonna look at look back at you, and they're not gonna give you that award for you. They're just gonna be for them." Hit it right on the head too, man. Mm-hmm. Like playing, playing the scene, the exact exact time. You know, it's it's good that Albert was there to you know give him that bit of knowledge, and you know it was good that he can come to him, especially when he was in that one scene. He's like, oh, gave him the, the the paper with the numbers, mm-hmm. uh, and in like the final one of the final scenes of the movie, he's like, well, remember when I gave you that paper? Uh, and you were wondering like how like if this would be like what destroys the world uh, and he's like oh well I think it will and like Albert's like visibly upset yeah. but you don't know they don't tell you that until like the end yeah and like, throughout the whole thing I'm thinking like oh I was thinking Albert just didn't like him like maybe he says maybe he had like a bad past or something yeah. but you know by the end of the movie it, it shows that like he was just Upset that like this this exists now you know like this yeah. is this is out in the world it can be produced it can be made it can be used mm-hmm. and 
the fact that it's also based, you know, it's it's reality. Yeah. It's scary. Scary shit. Mm-hmm. Scary, yeah. scary shit to think about. That being um, the possible end to all this for everybody. Yeah. Uh, it, it could go that route. It could go that route. And seeing like everybody dealing with that potential future back then and how it's still pretty damn relevant today it, it could very well be the end like how we end and you know that reset that people talk about like the the reset for humanity that could be how this goes yeah. you know this movie really um, brought back the possibility of that being the way I guess to say I think the movie came out at a perfect time too like you said like it's very much I mean it's, it's pretty pretty heightened right now like we're, we're I think we're at like cold, cold war levels of you know tension right now with different countries you know United States you know China and North Russia Korea. yeah Korea uh, it's just like that tension is there and I think Nolan making this movie was is, was very important people yeah. need to know how how we got here you know yeah. like like what what what's the what's the starting point for all that and like I said um one of the things I liked about the movie too is like the movie it had movie has two two types so it's like it's these black and white scenes and in like sort of like the Senate confirmation hearing yeah and it's like you know the color color stuff for me it feels like the, the black and white scenes were more literal interpretations of, of the events that happened whereas the color scenes were more sort of um sort of interpretations of, of, of the different events. It, it wasn't exact. They were still you not know, based on you know, reality, but there's more liberties taken with, with those scenes than like the, the black and white scenes. I think that was a pretty good sort of aspect of it too, where mm-hmm. it was like, you know, this is this is still, at the end of the day, still like based on real events, still biography. You still need to have those, you know, concrete, you know, historical scenes. But right. at the same time, it is a movie so we need to take certain liberties with that, you know, make it make it heighten it a little bit more, right? You know, because at the end of the day, you know, sitting here and stuff like that, that's not really too cinematic. So it was definitely stuff they did to it to make it more um, cinematic. But I don't think it ruined the integrity of the movie or like the the content in general for, for what I know of Oppenheimer himself. Yeah, um, there was a lot of uh, pretty cool visual audio effects throughout as well mm. which uh, let like gave to the creativity of the movie um, the, the screen shakes and the, the mm. intense mm. interview moments and stuff like that when like I, I, were, I were equated to anxiety or just overwhelmed that feeling of overwhelming when like the screen is shaking behind him and he's just like holding his head you know my head mm. hurting all that type of stuff or um, the the drips on the table uh, when it was uh, he was having lunch with a bunch of the other scientists you know he could see the drips on the table mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that like or uh, the scene when he was getting interviewed uh, at that one questioning and his I, I wouldn't say girlfriend but previous uh, fling it's mistress yeah it's mistress <laughs> previous fling shows up uh, doing one of the questionings but it's, it's like more you know I guess metaf- metaphor metaphor yeah like and she's they're having sex and 
it's not actually happening, but everybody in the room knows what the, what's being implied yeah. from the questioning. And, you know, it's like, it's those things like that that accept the movie, elevated the movie as well for me. Because um, it, in a way, shows how these characters are feeling. Like, we, yeah. we see them talking, uh, we see facial expressions, but, like, the inner, mm-hmm. like, the inner feeling of is what is what's really going mm-hmm. on. And him sitting in the chair, he feels, he feels pretty naked. Yeah. Everybody's looking at him. He knows what they're trying to imply. He knows what happened. Everybody's looking at him. They can see him fucking. Because they know what he was doing. His yeah. wife can see him fucking. Yeah. She knows what he was doing. It's like, it's, it's a way to, to show what's going on in the room. Like, you can cut that shit with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut that shit with a knife. Yeah. And it was an amazing way to show it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of anything, like another visual effect that I thought was really good. Uh, creative playing the movie I like when it's like after the bomb um, you can you can see like certain scenes when he like gets trashed it's like this the scene has like sort of the, the, the high the lights of the the talk bomb effect yeah. where like there's one scene where like he's getting like he's you know talking about them dropping the bomb on Hiroshima and then like you can tell like they're clapping and stuff you can see like the light of the tag bomb hitting the audience yeah. you, can, you can tell he like, that's what he's feeling right now and like you can see some like the skin up the skin's melting and he's just like having this like really yeah. hard panic attack and when he walks out the room he like steps on like a charred corpse yeah i was like oh yeah. man that's rough that's, that's rough yeah. <laughs> that was those nightmares right there man because you, you know like what's what, what's this gonna do to people and now you gotta live with that mm-hmm. you know and you know I thought it was pretty nice touch as well when the bomb did and they did the test bombing mm-hmm. you know and when it went off there was no sound yeah there was no explosion there was no initial explosion sound it was just the the sight of the explosion like the actual sound effects don't come in for a good I don't know what three four minutes yeah you know uh I thought that was a nice touch, you know. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting here for like this big, big, big boom, yeah. <laughs> and it comes, but there's like nothing. There's no sound to accompany it, and then afterwards, it just comes in loud yeah. as fuck. And that's just because of the, the, uh, the radius, the the blast radius that spreads out from it. Mm. And I think like that's, of course, they heard it from the get go. Yeah. But that blast radius when it when it hits, that's like the real, yeah. fucking, problem. Uh, other than being in the middle of that, at the center, I really like that one too. For for me, you know, the bomb not making a sound initially to me, it was just I interpret that as like the sound of death. It's yeah. just like once the bomb goes off, it's death. You do once you die, it's nothing. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, like I I I didn't catch that at first, but then like thinking about it, I was like, oh yeah, man, that's that's fucking death going off right there, man, like. That. Once you're dead, it's none, none there, man. So I, I do appreciate that aspect, and I love when movies do that. Like they just cut the sound off, because mm-hmm. it really makes it impactful sort of match. Because the movie has sound throughout the movie. You have like you know you have the dialogue, you know like the soundtrack, and different stuff. And once that goes off, you hear nothing. It leaves an impact on you, you know. Like, and to me, that that seems definitely one of the, the highlights of them. And. I'm curious to know how they recreated the, the atomic bomb. Like, That's what, true. what kind of practical effects they they used for? Because I was told it was it was practical from from what I'm hearing of it. So I'd look that up later. But Chris Nolan loves his practical effects, and 
Um, they definitely did a good job with the practical effects on, on this one, for sure. Uh, let's see, the, 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 the cast of all, top notch. Yeah. Um, I mean... Had I Josh in it, from Jake and Josh. Cillian, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Downey, mm-hmm. Matt Damon. Uh, everybody's performed exceptionally. And, you know, it all, it all ties very well. That was some, like, interesting interactions even between, like, Matt Damon and, uh, and Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get a good beat on, like, what, like, how their relationship was going to develop. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Damon comes in, he's, you know, hard-ass general, you know, like, <laughs> barking orders, like, you don't say no to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> calm down. Yeah. But, you know, they, they really started building up a friendship. You know, mm-hmm. throughout the development of this bomb over what was it, like three years three years I think yeah, it was yeah three years making yeah um, you know near the end of the movie I had a, a lot of respect for him mm-hmm. um, way more than some of the other characters as we went throughout the movie like sure. and I also enjoyed that like even though some of the characters who I did enjoy but like, mm-hmm. I liked that character like the one guy who came up with the idea mm-hmm. for the hydrogen bomb yeah like, he, he, he threw out that idea first um I like this character. Like I thought he was a pretty good addition to the team. Uh, I thought he, you know, he could help get them where they wanted to go. And you know, as the movie's going on, and they're doing like the 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 interview after the fact with Oppenheimer, and he comes in, and he and he's just a complete bitch. Yeah. Like he just completely <sighs> without doing it, without just straight up saying he sells him up river. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it still tries to shake the man's hand. <laughs> like, yeah, disgusting. You can't. You can't. Yeah. But even so, for the characters that I did and did enjoy and ended up not enjoying, mm-hmm. that path was cohesive. I could understand it. It made sense. <sighs> I can't be mad. Yeah. You know? uh, each character in that movie was very developed. I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing was really left to, to, to you know, imagination, and I can't say that for a lot of movies. Usually, mm-hmm. when I walk out of a movie theater, I'm thinking, man, what if this? Why didn't they address this, or why didn't you know, this get taken care mm-hmm. of, or something like that? I didn't have that feeling walking out of Oppenheimer. I feel like everything was wrapped up pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, um, but I was just left having just to reflect on everything that happened in it. That was no question of yeah. why didn't they go more into this, more into that. You know, that was none of that. It was just, it just felt complete. And I can't say that a lot for mm-hmm. movies when I watch them. Like it just, this felt like a complete movie that hit everything I wanted it to hit and wrapped it up perfectly. Yeah, I mean, the movie's three hours, so it definitely has to had the time to tell it. I mean, but like, even in some three-hour movies, you know, they, I don't, I don't feel the same way. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Griffin, he did it. Yeah, he did, did it, man. He did it. I, I would like to say too, like um, this movie is, it does have his, you know, like it, it, it's art moments, but like it's a very serious topic too as yeah. well. And you know, I I know people get into conversation about Oppenheimer and you know, like the effects of the atomic bomb and especially the atrocities that happened with Japan when when, when he dropped it. Um, and I think the movie doesn't 
necessarily say that he, he he was right or wrong for it. Right. I think the movie does come out and just say, you know, this this was a necessary evil. You know, it, yeah. The movie doesn't paint him as like a like some type of saint, you know what I mean? I mean that was why I was worried about it because in the trailers they had him, you know, as like this, you know, like like this troubled guy who just in over his head, but like misunderstood. Yeah, misunderstood. Yeah, but the movie makes it clear, and people, his even scientists tell him like, "Yo, you know, this is you shouldn't be doing this. This isn't right and whatnot." And it's it's not my place to say, you know, what he should or shouldn't do it. It happened. It's unfortunate that it happened. It had to happen that way. But um, I respect the Chris Van for for sort of not trying to, you know, undercut it at all. And yeah. he does tackle the the moral issue of the movie head on too as well. And there's no clear cut answer in the movie. Um, you know, people can feel what what they want to feel about it, but he does a good job of, of balancing that. I think if you feel either way about it I think you can go to the movie that you can enjoy and appreciate it because there's definitely aspects of both of it where it's yeah. like we have to do this you know this is necessary and it's other aspects like do we really have to do this like can we just tell them that we have the bomb and can we not drop it and yeah. it's it's a complicated topic yeah, you know a bunch, of, like, a bunch of what ifs like yeah we could tell them that but would they surrender you know yeah. if we gotta keep fighting um, it's super complicated you just gotta tell he had to go in there and just tell the story. That's yeah. all you gotta do. Just tell the story for what it was, and leave it at that. Like you said, you know, it's it's it happened. It's done. Um, now all we got now all we can really do is just look back, see what what was going on during the time. What what was the t- you know, what was the atmosphere during the time? And yeah. like, you know, throughout it's the atmosphere is constantly leading on potential annihilation. Yeah. Like, who's gonna do it first? Mm. And and we were talking about it, discussing it last night after watching it. And it was like during during that period when it's just like rampant fear. You're in the, you're in the war, mm-hmm. you know, World War World War Two. Um, one of the biggest. It's just fear everywhere. You know, American yeah. people are afraid that this could happen to them. Uh, Germany, uh, Russia, they're afraid it could happen to them. I don't like personal opinion it's a shitty thing that was made it's a shitty thing that was used but during a time which is completely different from modern era completely yeah. completely different I can't completely fault it for going through with it and oh was it Truman was it yeah it was Truman there was a one line with Truman when uh, Oppenheimer was like I got blood on my hands you know and that's that's a real uh, that's a real thought to have like mm-hmm. that, that shit will eat you up man. I forget yeah. the number they threw out but it was like hundreds of thousands of people right? hundreds of thousands yeah. of people uh, I burn my hands and I truly know it takes off the that was fucking savage straight straight fucking... savagery man man that takes <laughs> off the his fucking uh, handkerchief and gives it to him like you know wipe your hands clean of that yeah like you think the Japanese care about who made it? They care about who dropped it, and that was me. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck?" Oh yeah, that was like, I like the actor's a good job playing Truman in that scene because like he starts off like he's all jolly, and then he like 
takes he leans forward, takes the blanket, and you can just see like this man is a man who would do whatever it takes to get the job done. Yeah. And it was scary, you yeah. know. <laughs> he calls him a crybaby when he leaves. Yeah. Crybaby <laughs> out of him, like, damn. Like, no, that's not my favorite president. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking that one. <laughs> Holy crap, yeah, man. Oh, man. But I, I could, we, we could probably go on with this movie for a good minute. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to say about this movie. Mm-hmm. A lot to dig into. And, you know, we probably will outside of the podcast when we're you know, just discussing it again. But uh, what would you give this? Um, I give it a 9 out of 10. I mean, now, yeah, I get a 9 out of 10. Same, same. 9 out of 10. Um, what would you, what, what's that one point? Because for me, the one point was, um, I think the whole, I think the scene where, Spoilers. Should I yeah. even say it? Should I even say it? Spoilers every time. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Future reference. Spoilers every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the love interest. I kind of wish they went a little bit more true, into yeah. that because at at one point, I thought it was just, um, I thought it was just like a suicide. You know, I thought it was one of those type of situations, but I saw like a black glove, like a a black glove. Yeah above her like pushing her into the tub so I I mean she was communist so they probably just got to her because mm-hmm. they knew he, she was a contact um, that's what I think happened but it was never really like clear cut what happened to her I just know that she she, she died yeah. um, I kind of wish that was a little bit more you did said it last night too they had a little, a little bit more in, in depth with her yeah. Uh, especially what actually happened to her whether it was a suicide or she was just killed by secret service <laughs> it's probably the second one most likely it just looked that way uh, that'd be like the one thing that was about it you know I know I said earlier like it wrapped up pretty well uh, now that I think about it yeah that's probably the only thing like I knew she was what happened but it's just not enough detail of what happened I looked it up later. Um, it said officially she committed suicide. I'm not sure what the glove on her hand was supposed to represent. Like, but did you, did you see that as well though? Like doing yeah, the same? I, I, yeah, I see. Yeah, it's tough to figure out what, what it means. But like officially, um, from a historical point of view, it it she did commit suicide. Like I said, I'm not sure why they had the glove on her hand. Maybe that was Oberheim thinking that that he was behind it because like she she did tell him, you know. If I ever need help, you come and you say yeah, and then eventually says I can't see anymore. Yeah. And then when he gets the news, he sort of goes out and he's like, you know, freezing. That's um, true. That's true. Maybe, maybe that's it. But um, again, this is probably one of those movies you have to watch a couple of times to, to fully, you know, appreciate it. Um, and I definitely will be checking it out at some point too. But I think it's definitely one of the better movies about a historical person. Um, my favorite all time personally is Raging Bull. I think this movie has elements of that where like some of the historical stuff becomes more abstract. And to me, that one is I wish it would have went a little bit more. It it taps into it. It does a good job of it, but I would have liked it to go a little bit a little bit further with that. Um what, what was this? Raging Bull. I'm not familiar. Um uh, Raging Bull was a movie by Martin Scorsese, it's about a boxer. Um, 
I, I forgot the name of it, but I forgot his name, but it's a movie by him and um, his sort of life. Um, but the movie, what, what I love about Raging Bull is that the person um, sort of becomes a vehicle for the ideas he represents. It's not necessarily about his life and documenting his life. It's more so about documenting the essence of the character. Okay. So there's a lot of scenes, and like the opening scene is probably, I would say it's probably one of my favorite. I would put in the top five best opening scenes of all time. It's like a boxing man. I think he's fighting like Sugar Ray um, Robinson. And um, it's just like the way it's done, it's just really like, it's really good. We have to we have to watch that at some point. I'll be down. Always on for a boxing movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, so we've reached, I think we've reached the end. We went through everything. Uh, what we hit in like a minute, getting close to an hour 30. Oh man, yeah, yeah. So, good stuff. Is, is very good stuff. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Like I said, we could, we could we could have kept going for way longer, but we don't have we don't want to keep these too long. Have like three hour podcast <laughs> session, <Yeah. laughs> and maybe you have something to do throughout the day to go through a full three hours. But we don't want to we don't want to start dropping those. Not, not yet. Anymore. Maybe yet. maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. But gotta subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> three hour cut. <laughs> Get the full content. <laughs> But that's a, that'll be the end of episode two, you know, creativity. Uh, like we say, it's a very important part of making movies like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, I don't know what these movies would be without it. So, uh, I hope to see you again in the next episode. I don't know if you got anything to add on, Nick, before we you know, sign off. I'll just say thank, thanks for tuning in um, to this episode too. Um, you know we're we're excited to be talking about this stuff. Like I said, we have a lot of ideas, and we love for you guys to comment. Um, you know, like tell us what you think. You know, especially about the Oberheimer. What do you think about about the character? What do you think about Barbie? Like, you think you did a good job of uh, portraying, balancing the seriousness and the comedy. So we would love to hear from you guys too, and just say appreciate you for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you very much, and until next time.